Hey guys, it's Luke from Catching Foxes. Welcome to another beautiful episode. We talk about joy. We talk about some other stuff that's completely escaping me. It's fun. I hope you enjoy it. I want to first talk to you guys about a great new sponsor we have here on Catching Foxes, the Saint Maker. It's time to take a good look in the mirror and ask yourself, are you okay with doing just the bare minimum? Of course you're not, loser. God is calling you to greatness, to sainthood. I'm just kidding. They actually didn't add the loser part. I did. God is calling you to greatness, to sainthood. But be honest, is that the path you're on most days? The Saint Maker is is a -a one-of-a-kind personal journal and planner to help you reignite your faith, succeed in life, and experience true spiritual freedom. Centered on Catholic wisdom, it's backed by modern productivity science, and it keeps you you focused, productive, and on fire for the faith every day. Thousands of Catholics are already on the Saint Maker journey and are reporting their amazing results. Uh, They sent me a copy a couple weeks ago. I really do like it. There's There's a ton of stuff there. There's a lot of stuff to chew on. I really enjoyed it. I love being able to, uh, the part about working on different types of virtues. Big, big, I'm a fan of that. Something I desperately need right now, as do we all, sinners. With the Saint Maker free trial offer, you can try it for 90 days risk-free. If you decide it's not for you, return your Saint Maker for a full refund, including shipping. That's amazing. 90 days risk-free, and you can return it for a full refund, including shipping. My gosh. Take, listen, take advantage of this. Catching Foxes listeners can learn more about Saint Maker and get 10% off their first Saint Maker by visiting the saintmaker.com slash catchingfoxes and use promo code catchingfoxes, all one word, at checkout. That's the saintmaker.com slash catching foxes be sure to use the promo code catching foxes to get your exclusive 10 percent discount today thank you to the saint maker for sponsoring this episode of catching foxes hello luke hey how are we doing <laughs> man i uh you know those days where your wife doesn't tell you what's happening and, and then you find out incrementally and then everything falls uh-huh. apart uh-huh. Yeah. That's one of those days. I was at I the prison. Those. I got home from the prison at 1030. Yeah. Why not 930? Because they shut down four miles of the highway at the one spot where you can't exit around. There's no roads. There's a river. All of this crap. <sighs> got home at 1030. Actually had a great time with Shannon drinking and chit-chatting until <laughs> oh, midnight. Good. And, and then, then a up, lovely night. Yeah. <laughs> and then woke up at uh, uh, hoink, woke up at 4.30 and haven't been able to stop. So I reorganized my kitchen according to some interior design principles I watched on YouTube from Ooh, 4.30 I, to 5.15. I, I've, I, I've gone down that rabbit hole before. There's this hilarious woman. Her channel is called... Catherine Wilker, Caroline Wilker. But then the last couple episodes I watched, she's like, hello, my name's Angela. I'm like, what? But it's, it's, I don't get it. But anywho, she's hysterical and she's an interior uh, designer. So I've enjoyed it. Oh, that's awesome. It's not a new YouTube religion though. It is not. It is not. Mm -hmm. I've only listened to about five of her videos on double speed. So we got (laughs) to get about 20 before I make it a full YouTube religion. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> that's when you know that it's serious. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh. So, did the prison ministry? It's my second time in the prison since COVID. Only the second time. Yeah, I went once, and it was a really small gathering of guys, and we did um, a communion service because they can't really get clergy out there all that often. Mm-hmm. So, did a communion service, and I did a short reflection, and then I left. Um, You're like, but last this night- is a life. Can I have a job where I just do this and get paid? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and write yeah. books. Oh man, 
Man, I'm getting uh, – yeah, anywho, let me finish. So then last night, before I go off on my other thought, uh, last night was what we call glorify events where we have a praise and worship band come in, and mm-hmm. so this was the Josh Blakesley band. Um, so we had him come up. He did some fun Louisiana stuff. He played – the opening song was Don't Stop Believing, and then when we came back from break, it was um, Take It Easy, and it was so funny. Like, <laughs> as I'm copying and pasting the lyrics into a PowerPoint because they can only use PowerPoint for the show – the black mm-hmm. background, white letters. Uh, I'm like, what the heck? What? Look at the state and condition of praise and worship music where the song is called Take It Easy. And then as I started to look at the lyrics, I was like, oh, this is the Eagles. Oh, never mind. <laughs> it's just a fun song that they threw in there. <laughs> That's all. Is Josh, is he the guy that works at your parish? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At- yeah he's the okay. head of our music ministry department. He's a good dude. He's a good dude. I've done, it, the funny thing is I've done so many ministry things with him before we worked together. Because he's mm. like, you know, one of the main guys uh, who tours and does, you know, events and stuff like that. I think his family has gotten to a size. He he ended up leaving Alexandria, Louisiana. He did a lot of stuff with like Sumville conferences in Louisiana. Bishop Sam Jacobs and him are close. So mm. um, he did a lot of, of that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, he's awesome. He's a, he's a cool dude. And then uh, he, I remember one time we were at this uh, youth ministry event in Miami and it was a fun event, but the kids were nuts. It was an all-day junior high event, and then at the end, it was a high school event. And the kids were nuts. They weren't listening. I was the MC. I couldn't do anything to corral them. And then there were five bands, three local, and Josh was the one of the traveling bands. And he, they came out, and they played like a fun song, and everyone got into it. And then they did you know, their 45-minute set of praise and worship type stuff, and it just totally changed the tone. And that takes a lot of skill to be able to read the room and redirect it. So, um, and those guys, Gray and, uh, and the rest, they're so good at being on the fly. But last night was funny because, you know, prison, prison ministry is the most diverse church on earth, right? Like, at least in Texas, yeah. it's, it's everyone. You know, it's really disconcerting when a guy walks up to you with SS tattoos under his right eye and, uh, uh, you know, um, what do you call it? Scandinavian ruins, you know, Norse rune runes marks under his other eye. And you're like, Oh man, you are like a full blown, like Nazi. Okay. And he's like, so I'm reading the word of God in Greek. I'm learning Greek now. And I'm really going through and I'm like, Holy crap. These people have had so many conversions, right? Like to go from neo-Nazi gang member to Bible study fellowship. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. with, with everyone, right? With blacks, with uh, Latinos, like all this stuff. Like, it is such a game changer to be in that room. <laughs> you see these guys. It's, it's just incredible. Are we supposed to be recording this? I'm recording. Mm-hmm. I always record. All right. I'm starting right now. It's all good. Whoopsies. I like how I said I always record when you're always the one who records first. I always <laughs> record. I'm special this one time. I always record. <laughs> so it's just so funny but like doing that event so i did it on uh i had to give two talks the whole drive mm-hmm. out there i had no idea what i was going to give what the talks were going to be so I'm classic like, gormley classic gormley i really didn't i tried i sat and prayed and did all this stuff yeah and i drove out there and so i listened to uh i had an idea i wanted to do something on the beatitudes so i took the the catechism of the catholic church around paragraph 1716 to 1722 something like that copied and pasted it had it and i'm like maybe i could do this and then i got there uh, so driving up there i did the thing which is i listened to dmx (laughs) 
And then uh, when I'm about halfway through, I turn on the New Testament as read to me by Johnny Cash. (laughs) (laughs) And I just listened to that, uh, my drive-in, and it was really funny. I don't know if you remember, but our buddy John sent a text message where he said, what the heck does this mean in Matthew 16 where it says, there are some Mm -hmm. of you standing here who will not taste death until you see the Son of Man come in glory? And then I texted like all these like multiple like pages long, like basically refers to the ending of the Old Testament. Well, I walk in there and I'm in the library, which is um, one door in, no doors out, narrow room. And like these three guys come in and they're like, hey, we need to talk to you. And I'm like, okay. And I've never met them before. And this one dude's like, so what does this passage mean? It was the exact one that our buddy asked. And I was like, ah. Huh. I was like, I, I just talked about this. So I started, you know, kind of going through it with him. It was just a series Funny of, you should ask. Yeah. <laughs> I have a text. Me- oh, my text messages are in my phone, in my car, and I'm not allowed to bring that in. I had to literally sit there and pat myself down. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I am taking off my Apple Watch. I am removing yeah. my... I had to, like, rehearse it. Because one time I walked in with my Apple Watch on, and I almost, I, like, I almost got in big trouble. Because it has you know, Bluetooth and Wi-Fi and all that stuff. Yeah. Big Ooh, trouble. But the dude that was that was running the security booth, he's like, "What generation Apple Watch is that?" He was like an Apple nerd, and I go, yeah. dude, "Actually, it's called Series Zero now. It's the original, it was sent to me by uh, a friend of mine." <laughs> and he's like, "Oh," and he looked over at his the old guy, his security guard, and he goes, "Series Zero is crap. It's fine. I'll just leave it here." I was like, "I'll just give it to you guys if it means not getting in trouble. You can throw it in the trash can." He goes, "No, nah, don't worry. I'll just put on this ledge over here." Don't do it again. I was like, okay, I'm so sorry. And he's like, we know you. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Hey, guys, it's Luke, and I'm here again to talk to you about the Saint Maker. It's time to take a good look in the mirror and ask yourself, are you okay with just doing the bare minimum? God is calling you to greatness, to sainthood. But be honest, is that the path you're on most days? It's not, okay? It's not. We all suck. The Saint Maker is a one-of-a-kind personal journal and planner to help you reignite your faith, succeed in life, and experience true spiritual freedom. It's centered on Catholic wisdom and backed by modern productivity science. It keeps you focused, productive, and on fire for the faith every day. Thousands of Catholics are already on the Saint Maker journey and reporting their amazing results. Again, they sent uh, me and Gomer a copy of it. We really do. I, it's cool. It's got a lot of good stuff. I love the color of it. Uh, colors are, it's very sharp. I like that. It's very like, you can tell they really have a lot of the, the tradition of the church in mind, which I really, really like when they when they created that. With the Saint Maker free trial offer, you can try it f- out for 90 days risk-free. If you decide it's not for you, we're Turn your state maker for a full refund. That includes um, shipping. I talked about this on the on the on the earlier ad. That's a, that's really cool. That you can try it out for ninety days risk free. Inside, it's not for you. Return your state maker for a full refund, including shipping. Catching foxes listeners can learn more about it and get ten percent off their first state maker by going to the saintmaker.com slash catching foxes and using the promo code catching foxes all one word at checkout. Go to the saintmaker.com slash catching foxes and be sure to use the promo code catching foxes, all one word, to get your exclusive 10% discount today. Thank you to the fine folks for making such a great product, the Saint Maker. I thank the people and name the product. You guys all know what I mean. Go buy a Saint Maker, the saintmaker.com slash catching foxes, and then go to Patreon and become a patron. So, but it was cool. So the topics I settled on was um, Desert Joy. Mm-hmm. Heard of it. Which uh, 
it kind of came about in this crazy way. This one woman um, asked me, who runs our preschool program, you need to talk to our teachers because they are at an all-time lowest morale ever. And I was like, what? Why? And they're like, last year was the worst year. That you know, It was great in a lot of ways, but it was the worst year like teacher-student-wise because the kids, she said, you have four-year-olds that are emotionally and socially developed along the lines of two-year-olds or one-year-olds because Ooh, of COVID. Boy. Yeah. And she said, for the first time, we had to kick a kid out. How do you kick a preschooler out of preschool? She was like, it was so bad. Like, and, and we had families say, my ch- outside of like one sibling and the two parents, they haven't seen other people's faces because they never left home. Uh, mm-hmm. Seen other people's faces until they went to school. And even, the, you know, and the kid was probably double mass or whatever. And, you know, they don't, they don't know how to react. And so um, she just said, you need to teach, like, teach on choosing joy. And so I went through and did this whole Bible study on, on the Jewish concept of joy and then how it, it goes into Paul and, and Jesus and all this stuff. It was, it was pretty fascinating. So that's what I did for the inmates. What's, what, unpack that a little bit. So the Jewish understanding of joy is rooted in Exodus 15, which is where they just drowned Pharaoh's, in the, Pharaoh's army in the Red Sea. And they have nothing but desert ahead of them. And they're super excited because the song of Moses, Mm -hmm. the song of Miriam and the prophets would reflect on that moment and basically say like for, for the old Testament, for the Hebrew, for the Israelite, our joy is not based. Like you find when you read the Iliad and the Odyssey, which, you know, of course I love, but you find that their joy is contingent on their circumstances. Whereas this notion of desert joy or, or wilderness joy is contingent not on circumstances, but on like the destination that Yahweh will bring about. So they can find joy now knowing one day Yahweh will restore the fortunes of Israel or one day we'll make it to the promised land. Mm-hmm. or one. Mm-hmm. So it's this really fascinating thing where they double down. And if you look through the Old Testament, it like all of a sudden I start noticing all the stuff about joy and delight, like in the law of the Lord and in all these things. That it's really like it, if your joy is predicated upon present circumstances, then pre- present circumstances can rob you of your joy when they shift, mm-hmm. and it's all out of your control. And that's what you find in the Greeks. Like they're crying every five seconds because they had a setback in battle, you know, in the, in the, in the, in the Iliad. And it's like, oh, we're doing this. Oh, we're so sad. Oh, yeah, we're doing it. And you're like, oh, my goodness. But for the Israelite, it was like, God Who is doing Who are you, this. 2008 Luke? <laughs> Where's the vanilla ice cream? Uh, <laughs> wait, no, it was Rocky Road. What was it? What was the ice cream that you ate the gallon of, or like half the gallon of, when you broke up with that girl remember. in Eureka? You remember that you were like sitting in the parking lot? Car, just crying. Yeah, just... <laughs> Your pain just... makes me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, so, uh, so that's the notion. So then it gets caught up in Isaiah, and we prophesize like basically when God restores Israel, joy will overtake you, and that word overtake is like tackle you. Right. Mm, and then mm-hmm, then mm-hmm. that gets caught up in the messianic hope. Right. Because the building of a earthly Jerusalem is not enough for the human heart. And so there would be this restoration under the Messiah. And then that's what you find with St. Paul doing. St. Paul is constantly saying, like, Israel looked to the Exodus event and said, that's the paradigm for how we live with God. Christians look to the new Exodus event, which is the cross and resurrection of Jesus. And that's how we live our life with God. Right. And so Paul can say in second corinthians six eleven, we are sorrowful yet still rejoicing and that notion is like it's not pollyanna ish it's not rooted in being naive it's rooted in a very real look at the world but my circ- i'm not mm-hmm. thankful for the crap in my life like i'm not happy for covid but i can still be thankful or joyful in the midst of it 
because, not because of me or my circumstances, but because of what God has done in Christ Jesus for me and what God will do for me in the future in, in the heavenly Jerusalem and what he is already working in my life so far. And so it's that kind of, that is like the paradigm of joy in the biblical witness. And so I took that and then of course did all my St. Thomas Aquinas stuff. So, so it, what's the difference between that and hope? So that's a, that's actually an awesome question. So that's where St. Thomas Aquinas comes in. So Ugh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Boo, you suck. Um, no, hope is the theological virtue whereby you have confidence in God's promises. Cause you know, St. Paul says, you know, who hopes for what you see? So it's something that is a long way off that you long for. Okay. Joy is the resting in. So, okay. So Thomas says there's three things. A, there's a good, what's a good. It's a thing you're attracted to. Okay, if I don't have that good, it's that which I desire, right? So my desires are an attraction to a good thing. And what is a good thing corresponds to my nature, whatever. So food, I desire food. I want to have it, but I don't have it now. That's a desire. When you have the food you want, like I'm going to go down and have burgers with Father David. When I have that food that I want, that's called delight. So it's like your physical body, your senses, the lower part of your human nature. It's that kind of rejoice. It's a resting in the attainment of that good. Joy, St. Thomas says, is the higher part of your nature resting in the attainment of that good, right? So it's this notion of rest. And so for him, like, so I'm going to go down and there's going to be like 10 or 12 people that are my friends that are going to be there alongside the Huss family. And so I'm going to rejoice in the conversation that we're going to have, not just the food, physical food that we're going to eat, but like the higher goods, right? Community, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's like what joy is. Joy is the resting in the attainment for that which you long for. Right. And so the the fascinating thing about the Israelites is I'm resting in the blessing and the prompt. So I'm resting in the hope. Right. So what's the joy that they've attained that we've been elected by God, that God delivered us in Exodus 14. And so we rejoice. So we like it's like taking that moment of God working on our behalf and extending it throughout the shittiest time of your life. Right. That's what desert hope is or desert joy. I keep saying hope. That's what desert joy is like. I know he's done something for me in the past and there's something good for me in the future. So that's what makes me, I'm resting in what God has done. The joy of the Lord is my strength. So it's like, I'm resting in that. And then Thomas says this awesome line where I'm not going to quote from, but it's basically, so what is happiness? Happiness is knowing I'm doing God's will, right? I'm, I'm doing my vocation. Even when there is a lack of delight and a lack of joy, I can still have happiness. So that's what my message to the teachers was. Like there are some moments where you're not going to be able to rest because things are going chaos, right? And there are some moments where all you want to do is get away from your job so that you can delight yourself in a bottle of wine and, you know, some mindless television or whatever. Um, but there is still this thing of like, yeah, but I have happiness, not, you know, emotional happiness, but I have this knowledge that I'm doing what God has called me to do. So I don't need to run after delight and, and other things. I'm, I'm in this present moment. So that's what Thomas we call happiness, which is ultimately in union with God forever. So hope is that confidence in God's future promises. Joy, desert joy is, uh, and it's, they're very similar. It's like the attainment of, you could almost say it's, it's like resting in the hope that God gives you. I'll put it that way. I've always viewed joy a bit as like when the gospel impacts my life in a concrete way. Yeah. But I, I think that's what you're saying is a more like concrete example of that. But I think that it's kind of that same thing, which is that like, if I have the hope of like who the Lord is and and where and where we're going and what He is calling us to, and like this, among, and I have 
I can find. I don't know how to. How, how do I put this? It's 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 almost like when you know where you're going, and then you start to live the Christian life. That's where I think you. Ah, hmm. Because I, I, in my mind, they don't conflict. But as I'm as I'm starting to talk about it, they are because of that rest part. Mm. So is 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 the rest not unnecessarily leisure? It's more right. of an assurance, right? So like you know when you're 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 enjoying the soccer game where you describe you describe a moment of perfect joy where you were at that game and they, it was the two zero game, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like that would be Dos joy. Zero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Where it's like. It's not any one thing. It's like, ah, oh, this is awesome, right? That, yeah. that conflagration yeah. of a million things that came together, the cold beer, the hot day, the good friends, the excited fans, and the two nothing. What is, what is it called? Dos what? Dos acero. Dos acero. So mm-hmm. uh, it's yeah. a whole thing. Yeah. So you have this, this ex- right, the whole, the, it, like even that, like the history of the Dos Acero, whatever, mm-hmm. like all, whatever. Sorry, sorry. bring that up on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I just spent another $200 on soccer tickets. I'm uh, starting to become a fan and it's really pissing me off. <laughs> I'm the most reluctant MLS fan. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's, I don't know. That's, that's it's kind of an, ox- it's kind of a redundant statement. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. But uh, yeah, I just bought the LA football club is coming to Houston and I bought oh, my nice. family tickets. So yeah, so this is the LA galaxy and the LA football club. So we're going to the football club game. <laughs> what? Right. Isn't that what no, do? it's called LAFC, but yeah, it's fine. Right. LAFC, but it stands for football club. Yeah, but no one calls it that. Well, fair enough. <laughs> it's like, I mean, it is like I LAFC know. really is. Yeah, you're fine. You're fine. I'm a, no, I'm not fine. I'm, I'm an amateur train wreck. Uh, <laughs> Reluctant MLS. <I> <laughs> yeah, well, I don't want to be, but I was there when <laughs> no, you're at the you, game. It's a total, like, I love going. You do. Like, a month before. No, not a month. Several months ago, I had gone to, oh, we had great seats at a Texans football game. Yeah. And we brought my whole family. We were there with the Borks. It was awesome. We all had a great time. And I love, like, every moment of the game, I'm just glued to. Everything. I love it all. Yeah. Yeah. If that exact game on my television, I'm, I'm like, cool. Like, I'll watch, you know, five, ten minutes of it. Then I got to get up and yeah, do yeah. something. But, yeah. man, it's just, obviously, there's the whole environment. But it really does change everything. And so, freaking Noah's favorite team is no longer Arsenal. Who does he like now? Man City. You? Oh, it's just like. Is it bad uh, to worse? Uh, I mean, it's just like, hey, do you want to own a team owned by an oil state? Enjoy. Well, we are from Houston. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, <laughs> it's, no, it's, it's in our fair. blood that's and fair. literally in the air. They're so, very good. So yeah, he. I, I said, why? Why don't you like Arsenal anymore? I said, it's it's gone out on the podcast. Everyone hates you now. And he said, uh, <laughs> sorry, you got to stick with it, kid. Yeah, yeah. You pay your dues, you take your chances. Uh, and he said, no, I really just like the one player. And he said his name. I don't remember. And he's like, and <laughs> I was really paying attention. I don't know. Yeah, I was like, shut up, kid. I'm trying to watch YouTube videos on interior design. <laughs> this is going to be a career choice for me. <laughs> <laughs> don't you know I'm all shtick? <laughs> I'm coming up with bits for catching foxes. <laughs> <laughs> and making our house look better. And getting the whole like feeling of doing stuff without, without actually doing it. It's wonderful. Yeah. Take a hit, kid. <laughs> No, but he said uh, he likes the team more now that he's learned more about the the teams and not just individual players. As a team, he likes the team. Like basically, meaning he knows more players and he likes them more on the yeah. Man I mean, City they're very, team. very, very, very. They're probably the best team in the world. Oh, really? Okay. 
Nice. Yeah. It, it, so in soccer, it's a little bit weird just because like you can you just buy players. Mm. So you can like if you have like oil state um, money, you could spend one and a half billion dollars and just yeah. get some anywhere else. They're the best player in, in the league on your team. And it's just like, oh, oh, my. Yeah. Oh, my. Um, so uh, I want to go back to some of this joy thing really quick. Because before we turn into a to a um, soccer podcast, <laughs> that's happening soon, folks. Don't worry. Yeah. Uh, the um, like, so it, when you're at that game and you're experiencing that joy, do you think like an experience of the gospel and an understanding of the gospel is it because it gives you that hope that that's what enhances your your uh, your joy, or could it be that as I'm like I'm living the Christian, as I'm like living what the old church called. The uh, the way, which is like the Christian life, what Pope yeah. Benedict calls the art, the art, uh, the art of living, the art of living. Does that enhance my joy, or does that, or does is is it um, is is like like more like I know that like oh this is or is that just joyful? Let me. I I think I could say it this way. Um, there are things on this earth because the earth is good and true and made by God. Right. There are things in this earth that naturally cause joy spark joy let's say spark joy right so there's no joy yeah right so uh, uh a stone cold anti-god atheist whatever uh great sinner he can still experience delight and joy in a lot of things right because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the nature of this earth is good um the earth is good and green and beautiful uh and so you can there's a lot of Not in texas natural thing you know no, it's just brown and concrete um yeah but there's so much goodness in the, it, it is suffuse with goodness, right? Um, but then when we talk about Christian joy, I like what you said, because uh, what I said to the men yesterday, you know, these are men in prison and many of them uh, will not make parole, right? Some will, um, some will have their sentences end within the next five to 10 years. But a lot of the men that I work with, um, it's kind of hard to tell in that room, but many of them will spend, you know, they got 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, consecutive life sentences, whatever. And so what does life look like to them when everything is taken away from them, you know? And so it's like, well, if it's predicated on your circumstances, then it's not ever going to, you're never going to be joyful because your circumstances can kind of suck, right? So then mm-hmm. the idea of the mm-hmm. Christian understanding is, well, what does it mean to, to follow the way, right? What does it mean to follow Christ? To follow Christ means to take about in your life the Paschal mystery, right? That's what is the liturgy? Mm-hmm. What are the sacraments? It's living the Paschal mystery, the death and resurrection of Christ. So you can have that, that joy breaks in. C.S. Lewis talks a lot about this notion of joy in his book, Surprised by Joy, which is a great title, um, which is kind of like his conversion story. But he talks about joy breaking into like the eternity, breaking into the temporality, right? And so it's that, that notion of like, not only are you in the center of God's will, but you living the Christian life is you living the Paschal mystery, right? So. One, Jesus did that for you. So that's a source of joy. Two, by living the Christian life, you're corresponding your life to what God's will for you is, right? Like, that, that's God's will. So, of course, there, there's another moment of, and I do think God gives us glimpses in our life of like, okay, this is what I should be doing, right? And you can experience that and joy breaking into it. It's just a foretaste of the beatitude of heaven. And and then knowing like okay I I never like for me right now I have had in my whole life without except without me being like man maybe this one night, 
I am in the best spiritual state of my entire life. Uh, I am praying more. I am praying with with uh, with regularity. I'm doing the. I got the Bishop Barron liturgy, the hours that has unlocked a whole side of my faith that I love. Uh, like prayer is coming easier to me, and it never did in the past. But I'm like, and not easy in sense of like, okay, like, oh, I, I want to pray all the time. But like, my mind is like, okay, this is the point where you pray because you don't know what the heck you're gonna do. So just stop everything else and start praying. And it it is awesome. I, uh, I'm, my soul's in the right place morally. I've gone to confession a whole bunch of times. Like I'm just, I feel aligned. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And um, and it's not an emotional thing. It's just like people would say, like, "Hey, how you doing?" And I always say, "Peachy," right? But I feel great in the sense that, like, I'm joyful. Like, I am. I li- I, I I could complain. Why? I'm joyful. Things are good. Mm-hmm. Things mm-hmm. are good. Life is good. Work is good. Uh, I can I can find these things. I don't know. And so I think, like, yeah, it's, it's it's the grace breaking through. It's God giving you glimpses of like you're on the way. The way. You might be on the way to Calvary, but you are, in fact, on the way, right? Hmm. I think it's interesting that um, – because I'm really intrigued by this idea of, like, joy in the midst of suffering. Like, the, I mean, or as you as so eloquently put it, desert joy. Um, that I stole from other people. Because <laughs> – well, like – so, like, one of the things I wanted to talk about this week was just power because I just um, – through a lot of – reflection I've, and we, we don't have to we can go into this on later it might be worth me just maybe doing a little bit of a deeper dive into it or or on whatever but that's not our our way uh is <laughs> uh wow planning like, yeah i'd rather die um the uh the notion that like okay well if power doesn't matter like what else is there then uh-huh. because like like and i i think so much of our I, have you ever seen any of these Twitter or Instagram accounts called like "We should destroy all cars" or like "Cars um, ruined everything"? No, I mean I'm the, I am um, misquoting all of these names, but they're really interesting. So the, the idea is like, hey, take a look at what the world was like before we basically bulldozed everything, so we could just so we could get around in in cars. Now you're seeing like a limited view, so it's like, hey, here's just a crappy, boring intersection. Out in Oklahoma now, where there isn't anything, and here's um, what was there before: all of these gorgeous turn of the century style buildings, all of these p- people, just like a, it was almost like a center of of um, life and beauty. Yeah. And now it's just like nothing. Yeah. And I and and one of the things that like now things just change. Um. Uh, um. Naturally, it's not like these urban almost centers were. You know, were these like Becca's. Of utopia back in you know the 1940s and 30s. So let's be clear. Yeah, like we're seeing a an idealized um, a version of the past, but it does lead to some interesting. It has um, it has um, led to some interesting con- contemplations in my own life as I, as I think about like the isolation of people and what cars actually do. Yeah, and like you've heard of how like certain almost cities now the goal is to have everything that you need within like a 20 block radius. Yeah, well, and that's I, the we we talked about this somewhat in the book uh, Happy City. Um, the idea being, you know, and there's a, there's a Congress for the new urbanism where it's like everything has to be within a 20 minute walk or a 10 minute bike ride. And if you do, if you design cities for feet and and bikes, then you you make more room for the humane, right? Cities mm-hmm. become more humane. Yeah, yeah. And one thing that I've been wondering is like. 
has our techne-driven culture fueled this weird isolation now to where the things that really do help us experience joy, we view them as being rare events. Like if we if we tended to follow a bit more of say the church's calendar, the the church the uh, church's uh, prolific festivities and all that stuff, would we actually be around people more than if we did it? Would would we actually be spending more time with others than if we did it? And so, is joy actually this thing of like when I'm you know because there's. We always tend to go like going to the soccer game is great, but too much of a good thing can like, you know, kind of spoil the good thing. So it's why like after the World Cup, I tend to like tune out all sports for a bit. Yeah. You know, because yeah. it just, it's, it's like to the, overload. Yeah. It's why to the inmates uh, yesterday, the men, I said, um, what was the line? Uh, I said, and like the American prophet. Axel Rose once said from the band Guns N' Roses, I used to do a little, but the little wasn't doing, so the little got more and more. And I said, uh, I think he was talking about drinking too much soda. And they all had a, a knowing chuckle. <laughs> and you were like, <laughs> right, friends? Yeah, I, said, uh, I do stuff like that all the time with them. They're, they're the one of the, I mean, they're a captive audience, and they are great. Uh, yeah. But yeah. they really are. Like, there's, these, there's like a handful of guys that I would be like, why are you in here? Get out, like we should put you out, like get you out into the world because the world needs you. You're such good men, and it's you know I, I hope that prison has made them that way, but um for their experience in prison. But uh, so the 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 thing is like like what you said, right? You can love something, and so our sinful fallen tendency is to overuse it, right? To overindulge, mm-hmm. but you find mm-hmm. that when you overindulge, you kind of get a distaste for it. You're like, meh. Then it's like that with pornography, right? Like mm-hmm. you look at pornography enough, you're just like, I need something else. I used to do a little, but the little wasn't doing, so the little got more and more. And that's uh, like part of joy. Like that's where, and it sounds stupid, but this is to me why virtue ethics matters. That's where abstinence comes in, right? This, the refraining of a good makes that good better, right? Like, like uh, you know, the, working outside on a hot day and then coming in and drinking a cold glass of water, like. Is there anything on the face of the earth that is better than that at that moment? Like, oh, you know, or drinking a cold beer or whatever, right? Like there's that moment where like it it all just comes together and it's so good and it's so nice. But the overindulgence of it ends up robbing it of that that impactful joy. That's actually what Epicureanism was originally. It's not supposed to be like just go and indulge in the finer things of life. Epicureanism was supposed to achieve that state in life, uh, kind of like virtue, but it, it wasn't. That, that state in life where, like, you're the, the pleasure you feel of drinking a cold glass of water on a hot day after you worked hard, like, that kind of enjoyment, that's to them was the ideal of the moral life that they wanted to replicate. Aristotle beat him. But uh, so, yeah, like, I, I mean, there's a lot of wisdom in this, in this notion of if we over – so you can't say that happiness and joy and delight consists in just pleasure, getting pleasure. Because pleasure, we all know. It's different for every, you know, people experience sexual pleasure differently, food pleasures differently, the pleasure of watching sports is differently experienced. So that can't last, you know, and it can't be a shared common good because we're different. You can watch a soccer game for hours and I could fall asleep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, I guess I like all that. I mean, I, mean, I missed the mark. There. I missed the mark, didn't I? No, but uh, no, 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 no. 
but it was but no, it was good. It was good. Oh, don't do that. No, I totally. As I was talking, I was like, shit. Well, I said the prison stuff, and now I can't remember what we were originally talking well, about. No, but my, but and then I like, saw like, this okay. glazed look over your face, and I'm like, he's gonna correct it. Okay. No, no, I was trying to think. I was like, okay, I was like, I like where he's going, <laughs> but I want to someone because it, it, it all does tie and fit. Okay. So he says, hopefully. Um, is that uh, the magic of editing? Uh, <laughs> Groping in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what all podcasting is. Uh, so if... Because my, my point was like, if the church actually calls us to a more abundant um, life of yeah. joy yeah. than compared to, I think, what our modern, um, our, um, our modern world does because yeah. of how isolating a lot of our experiences are now due to just how we live life. Yeah, yeah. Well Isolated homes, yeah. we're in our cars for an hour and a half a day, yeah. we're... You know, we experience, um, we don't go to the movies anymore. We don't, you know, a lot of our more um, social things, just it's not nearly as much as, as it was. Yeah. And I wonder if we follow things of the, of if you were to look at how the church structures her calendar mm-hmm. or her, her seasons is probably a yeah. better way to put it. There's probably m- more joy there, but it also it's not an overindulgence either. Yeah. I would say because of, I don't know why. <laughs> well, no, so, because there uh, maybe is the I'm balance wrong. of feasting and fasting, right? Yeah, and yeah. Th- that's the problem with the modern church in in a lot of ways is we got rid of our communal fasts, and it kind of cheapens our communal feasts, right? What, like, can if you, you provide any like example of that? Yeah, I mean, we used to abstain from meat every Friday and every mm-hmm. Wednesday. Um, I'd we not. used to eat, uh, you know, people used to just do bread and water fasts. If you're a pilgrim on a, on a legit pilgrimage, you only do bread and water fasts. There was about 120 days out of the year where Catholics used to fast. Um, not, not in the 50s, but maybe in the, you know, 1850s, right? Not in the, you know, mm-hmm. not in the immediately pre-conciliar church. But um, so you start to realize, like, patterns of feasting. So, for instance... Um, this August 15th for the Marian Feast of the Assumption, right? The Solemnity of the Assumption, Holy Day of Obligation, it was not because it fell on a Monday. So me and my Woo. family, uh, <laughs> right? So me and my family, we went to Mass, and we thought um, at the church, we went to the Ordinary at Parish, and we thought it was going to be jam-packed. It only holds like 250 people. Um, so we went early, and turns out we were way too early. <laughs> I had my kids get dressed to the nines. I was like... You get dressed in your Sunday best for Our Lady, you know, all that stuff. And then we walk in, everyone's in like, not everyone. Like, your Sunday best? What are you talking about, sir? It's a Monday. Uh, I wear yeah. my Monday worst. Uh, so we're sitting there, and we're praying, and um, the, the deacon in training walks up to me and said, hey, um, could you be uh, one of the bearers of the Our Lady of Walsingham statue for the mm-hmm. Marian procession? So it went from, uh, you know, I just wanted to go to Mass in the evening with my family. Uh, for the actual feast day to now I'm carrying a statue <laughs> with four mm-hmm. other guys, right? So we get up at the end of mass, we stand there, and then the procession happens and the altar servers are leading us and they're, they're swinging incense and they had these two beautiful little girls. I, I've, I've never seen these kids before, these two little girls, and they're dressed like flower girls for a wedding. Yeah. And they have these big baskets of um, flower petals and they're throwing them in front of, they're walking behind the altar servers, but in front of the Marian statue. So they're throwing them at my feet as I'm walking with the Mary statue. <laughs> and, uh, well, not my feet, but, uh, and Practically we, do, we do a procession yeah. around the, the boundary of the church and then come to this table. And we all do the conclusion of the mass and incense is going and there's this crowd. And then afterwards we had a big potluck. And I was like, this is what my parish growing up in Broken Air, Oklahoma was like. Mm-hmm. Like 
we were all here for a feast day. It was really important that, you know, we have this stuff. My mom worked for the church. My dad was in the Knights of Columbus. They were all super active. So the church life and the home life bled through. And I think now it's like so compartmentalized that it doesn't have to bleed through. And that moment of the whole Marian thing, we all got attacked by mosquitoes for some reason, was one of those things where it like broke me out of my, well, I'm just going to go to mass, sit in the back, get my Jesus, and then leave. To mm-hmm. like, oh, no, this is an experience of shared community, right? Yeah, yeah. And I miss that. I really do. So does that, do you think like in the Christian life, there's more opportunities for well, there's more opportunities for the good stuff, but then more opportunities for, I, I don't know, because I, I don't want to say joy, because I think there could be joy in fasting, but there's more opportunities yeah. for these feasts, these fun, these things that just naturally are just good, but then there's more opportunities then for um, like fasting part as well, where you, so you're not, you, basically, you, you're not over in, you're not overindulging. So you're you're experiencing like more real joy because of um, shit. I had it and then I lost it. Um, <laughs> so are you saying that in the Christian walk, even the is is it better because even the sufferings become an occasion of joy, or that we have these quote unquote downers like fasting? And well, I I just penance. think like okay, so like honestly, I I think joy would be harder to find in extreme. Now, I mean, obviously, if you're like a hermit, the call to that to prayer or whatever, yeah. like, but that's the specific calling i think it's probably my, my hunch is that it's harder to find joy when you're isolated in your own sin yeah. isolated from others i you know kind of like not really grounded in reality which is half of our existence now yeah and then when you're pulled out of that and you're put into a thing like you know a church that's experiencing like real joy real like like the feast of the church um real community and healing I, I I guess my my point is that like, is there more? Are we? Is there actually more joy to be found in like in the world or in the church than what we even um realize? Oh, yeah. That's, I, that, I think that's what I'm really yeah, getting at here. Is that, like, there's I'm, actually this like whole yeah. thing that we, we are not experiencing because of just how our entire. I don't even just mean the church. I just mean the way that, like we live life. Yeah, I mean this goes to uh, this is I think just a different dimension of the ongoing conversation. Like Gardini talking about um, the letters of Lake Cuomo, where he's like, you know, when I was you know a, a young kid, you had sailboats and the houses were three hundred years old that were built along Lake Cuomo, and everything there was built in accordance with nature. And now we have you know half the mountain is demolished to build sky you know resorts. And on Lake Como, you have motorboats going everywhere because damn nature, I'm, I'm going to get where I'm going with speed and efficiency. Now, there's a place for that, just like there's a place for roads and cars. Like, I think we would all be miserable without refrigerated trucking, you know, to get food to us. Yeah, it's one of the yeah. things in the Amazonian Synod that people kind of tended to overlook was you had a whole voice of Amazonians who were like, please knock down as many trees as possible to build this road so we don't live in abject poverty all the time. Please, you Westerners, quit telling us we can't build roads so that you can have your, you know, like your idea of the rainforest. Like, we would like to live too, you know, <laughs> but we don't care about that. Um, uh, so the, there's, there's a lot of good and a lot of blessings. And this is the thing with modern life. It's like, it gives with one hand, but it takes with the other. 
And it's like, here's a car. You can literally go anywhere with ease. You can listen to your favorite top 40 jams of 1997 while you do it in an air-conditioned box in 100-degree weather. But at the same time, you are alone, and it gives you a way out from your locality. Like, you don't have to be invested in anyone. And that was the thing um, that Father Fletcher kept talking about was this notion of being settled. He's like, if I get a cow... I can't just go on vacation because I got to deal with my cow, right? If I'm sick and I have the flu, I can't just lay in bed all day. I have a cow. He's like, Mm -hmm. our modern culture Mm -hmm. doesn't like that notion of things that pin us down. And I was like, yeah, because we define freedom. Like, because we still, as Catholics, right? Like, we're in this. Mm -hmm. We still want our freedom, you know, and freedom from constraint more than we do even the things that are good for us. Like, yeah, but I want to be able to get the hell out of here at a moment's notice. You know, pair shopping and stuff. Yeah. But it, it's, but what's tough with that though is like, when does, like, what do you do when, like, I mean, I, I think, I mean, to be blunt, the majority of us pair shop because of the, the schedule. That's the reason, that's the primary uh, um, reason. Yeah. But the second reason is the pastor. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, yeah. like, I'm, and I, I'm not trying to put this on priest so this is not an anti-priest rant so please don't be mad at us clerically speaking i uh what i'm talking about is um you know i went to mass in dayton at uh i don't want to the name of the parish but it was just it was painful it was tough and the music was horrible the priest praising the music was horrible and the priest loves being heard and seen anywho um and I'm like, I just I'm like, oh, like if this is my home parish, I I think I I would I just couldn't do it. Yeah. And I, it's like, what? But then is that going against what the church is calling us to? Am I actually like, um, missing out on joy? Am I because I'm? How do you do it when your situation isn't good? Yeah. Like where you're supposed to be, I'm finding that joy when that's not good. Is that just part of the suffering? Yeah. Can you say that again? Real quick, so, my okay, wife so just sent me a message and it threw me off. Sorry. No, no, no. You, you, you're fine. Like, I and I, this is not me trying to like crap on priests. This is just an example of of what can be tough. Yeah. If my if within my parish boundaries, the community that I should be investing in, where I could find all this joy and all of these all of these good things, what happens when there's a priest there who or the staff there are just like miserable of human beings who are preaching heterodoxy? Yeah. Or are just or are not like as you know they're just like just not very good. Yeah. I, I mean, I would say you need to leave that community as soon as possible. Right. I, I do. So, so I, I have you're gone. not like robbing yourself of what you're being no, called to then. No, if I, I think it. you, no. in, okay. you find that place and then you invest in it, even if it means moving. Right. Mm, okay. see, I, and I really okay. do believe that. Like, not just because Dr. Larry Chap said Paris Chap, uh, a few, a few episodes ago, but like when you start to look around, like I, I remember, um, I was at this one church back in the day about, 10 years ago, and there, were, there was a, a pro, not a parochial, a visiting priest who was spouting heresy, right? Like, just straight up not what the church teaches. And I remember saying to my wife, I don't want my kids raised in this. I don't want to have to have a conversation about why father is wrong. Yeah. You know? And now, it was a visiting priest, and I'm sure, you know, the pastor had no idea that was going to happen. But zeal for the truth zeal for building community you know one of the things that's also dangerous about parishes is if you have this revolving door of priests it's kind of like you know 
fosters a, a culture of divorce when it comes to your priest. Like the pre, that's what Father David talks about. Like I'm supposed to marry my church, and now you're telling me, well, you're going to be here, and then I'm going to take you out. Then you're going to be here, and I'm going to take you out. Then you're going to be here, and I'm going to take you out. And he's like, because then what happens is when a new priest comes, if it's all contingent, if the goodness is contingent on the priest, pastor, parochial vicar, whatever, then it could disappear when they disappear. And so you need to make sure that there's a balance between like, yeah, it's not just all about this priest. And it's also just not all about, you know, yeah, yeah, whatever little, you know, community thing. Like you need to make sure the whole thing is good. And you need to say like, if I drop my kid off here, would they become a better Catholic in this environment? A more joyful Christian, you know, a more, um, a, a Christian who's more charitable, you know, who actually knows their faith and worships God well, like I wouldn't move for that. Uh, I hope my Aunt Bramley's made sense. No, I think it's, I think it's great. Like, like, I mean, we're isolated. I don't want to go in a covered wagon in order to find community, you know? Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, at yeah. the same time, it's like, but, but where is the energy behind it? You know, where is the energy behind building a community that lasts? And it can't just be contingent on the priest. Although, you know, like if you have a strong community, you get a bad priest at a church, that priest can devastate that community i know i know and that's and and i i'm i'm this again this isn't me trying to make this about priests or saying like this is this to me this is the strongest example of what most people struggle with yeah because they can't devastate a, a community or like a, you know i mean to be honest like a parish staff can also like really you know f things up and just make everyone's life miserable and just be a horrible place to be because there's wood paneling everywhere. <laughs> who wants to be in that eight hours a day? Who? I'll tell you who. Weird old boomer ladies. They love it. They love it. Reminds me of the lake home I went to as a little girl during the Depression. I was 25. <laughs> they, they were, yeah. Man, that's the greatest generation. Shut up. <laughs> How are you alive? I'm haunting you, Luke. <laughs> I'm a specter. <laughs> we're the ones who created all of this. We tore down these buildings because we were like, this is stuffy and boring, and I want my LSD. <laughs> Sorry, I was doing a cult podcast on the LSD part, which is where it gets boring. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, um, I know. I love what you're saying because the, the idea for, like, I think about things sometimes in the context of the men in prison, right? Like, where do they find community? Well, they really have to do that. They, if they want to be Christians, like it's a life or death thing in certain respects for some of them, because it might mean hanging out with the wrong race, the wrong skin color, quote unquote, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. to do that, um, they are taking their own lives in their hands and saying, here, Lord, I'm going to, I want to reproduce within my life, the death and resurrection of Jesus and Jesus, your, your cross tore down the dividing wall of hostility between us. So if you could do that to unite Jew and Gentile, maybe today in this prison, I'm going to offer my life to unite white and black. And um, it's crazy when you see that the only place there's full integration of the races is in the context of Christianity, right? In the, in the church, right? If you want to come to a Christian thing, whether it's Catholic or, or Protestant or whatever, you know, it, regardless of your skin color, you have to go do it together. Right, and so like it's kind of awesome when you see that. It it makes my heart happy. Yeah, yeah. Well, on that note, I know we got to go because you got a thing you got to go to. I do. I do have a thing I got to go to. Um, can you record the ad for the Saint yep. Maker? I can record an ad for the Saint Maker. But you tell. Hey, you want to hear something funny? Here, I'm gonna I'm gonna yes. end the record. God bless y'all.
Uh, Bye. Ending in three, two, one.